0: Well, it's that day. It's uh, their favorite day, no doubt. Everyone's favorite day, Tuesday. There's just something special about it, isn't it? And it's even more special when you've got Two Kingdom Tuesday on Two Age Sojourners. So stay with us. Uh, for staying with us and actually there is no us it's just me ha huh. um, that's not a, that's not a bad thing is it that's good uh, I like my solo runs except I don't like the fact that I'm in this freezing cold office this morning and um, man it is so cold and I think I'm actually coming down with the cold've I've held on so long and I've withstood all the trials and and now I think my buddy is finally giving away and now I'm in a cold office so normally, I um, switched the heater off because the heater makes this buzzing sound, and um, and that for the sake of recording, and usually I have the office nicely heated at that point, but in this instance, um, this is the only slot I have, and um, there's no ways, no ways I'm switching that heater off, so I'm sorry if you can hear a little bit of a buzz there, I tried to minimize that as much as possible, but... Um, you know, you're going to get what you get. Um, all right, so Two Kingdom Tuesday. If you remember, we we're looking at this, uh, this book by John Frame called uh, The Escondido Theology, one of his many books that he's written. And uh, obviously, it just uh, works well. Um, I don't know, I suppose, just uh, with the subject of two kingdoms in that it um, it's taking on um, a, a school of thought, Um, John Frame wants to take on the Escondido guys and Escondido uh, is kind of a shorthand for uh, Westminster Seminary, Escondido and most of the faculty there are kind of two kingdom Uh, not all of them though and so it's a bit of a misnomer label and yakity schmackety I've been through all of that already so let me refer you back to previous um, instances where we've spoken about that but I'm just going to press on if that's okay with you and uh, just ask you to go and uh, just just check our previous episodes if you're feeling a bit lost in space as to why we would we would even talk about this stuff. Um, one of the chapters in the book is by, uh, or at least is a critique of Meredith Klein's kingdom prologue. So it deals with Kleinian two kingdom thought directly at that point or reformed two kingdom thought as arising from Klein's theology, which is why it's relevant Uh, We could do it on Meredith Monday, but we're doing that other thing with Chris, so I thought, hey, let's just put this into Two Kingdom Tuesday. And so that's the overlap, even though um, it's worth saying just because in this particular episode, I'm not, you know, it's not going to be 100% related to the Two Kingdom ideas. It's more just a setup on the the same uh, train of thought as we look at that chapter. But um, interesting stuff, nevertheless, and important background information to what Klein wants to do in, in, in Kingdom Prologue, and uh, and just, I suppose, in, in general with his writings, and then what Frame uh, wants to do in his critique against Klein uh, in that chapter, so stuff that we got to know about one way or another. And like I say, you know, this is the real, I don't know, in some sense, the nerdy day. I suppose they're all kind of nerdy, but you know what I mean? Kind of solo Mike nerdy day, and... Um, And so, feel free to skip over this day if it's not your cup of tea. But if you're sort of, if you want to enroll in the Days of Our Lives saga, that is Escondido Theology, um, well, stay tuned because it just gets deeper and more interesting as you go. And it honestly feels like you're watching a soap opera sometimes. Um, All right. So, here we go. We're on uh, page 153 um, of the book. And that's on the chapter concerning Meredith Klein. Um, Let me go ahead and just. I've actually just want to kind of look at a very short section in this episode. So I might just go ahead and read it all um, just to get you completely clued in on uh, what I'm saying. Again, if you do have the book, just, you know, don't feel like you need to go buy the book, though, uh, at this point. It's really not that amazing. Uh, But here it is. Uh, He says on page 153, still in the opening. I do believe, however, and uh, we're kind of starting midway through a kind of random paragraph here. But I do believe, however, that a change came over him, talking about Klein, in later years. By the mid-1970s, he had developed a system of thought that he considered unassailable. Um, And he says, and he had little sympathy for those who differed with him in any significant way. He came to believe further that his distinctive and often- um, innovative positions were essential to reformed orthodoxy, even that they should be considered tests of orthodoxy uh, or boundary markers, as Scott Clark would say. Um, now, that was an irony, Frame says, because in the 50s and 60s, Klein himself had often defended himself against the wrath of people who considered themselves truly reformed, TR, right? And uh, who thought that Klein's innovations had gone beyond the pale in such contexts, he was a defender of innovation and and freedom of thought and we mentioned last time that's kind of one of the things that frame thought was so cool about klein originally Um, but then he goes on but later when others sought to innovate in ways that contradicted his own ideas and probably he's thinking of himself at that point uh, he became the defender of tradition that is klein um, according to frame Uh, just one little Two more sentences. Uh, exchanges in the late 1970s, particularly with Greg Bonson and Norman Shepard, seemed to me to be uh, especially important factors in this change. Klein came to believe that Bonson's theonomy seriously misconstrued the nature of the new covenant and that Shepard's view of justification was a new legalism. And Shepard's view of justification, by the way, is, um, just in case you didn't know, that, is it's really the thing that uh, our Mondays are dealing with, because that's really the original reason for Chris uh, Cahi writing his book, The Tale of Two Adams. So you're kind of getting a rebuttal of that anyway. But anyways, just one more sentence here. So he fought all the harder, talking about Klein, convinced that the fundamental gospel of scripture was at stake and that his system was the only adequate defense against the attack. So, I mean, he's very forthright. That's kind of what I want to look at at this point. Um, He's very forthright with what he's, uh, you know, accusing Klein uh, of doing. And, you know, at least he's sort of drawing, drawing clear lines in the sand. The question is, you know, are these things true? Um, and to be honest, I mean, you, I, they go a little bit out of my um, sphere of, of, of um, well, I want to say authority, but really a being a even ability to find out. Um, <clears throat> probably it would be get, uh, good to get a few of these um things out and get maybe like Leon's or you know Chris Caillou or someone to to try and answer them just someone who was around a little bit more than I was and you know has that insight Um, but you know there are a few questions that you have to kind of answer to see if he's onto something and even to what degree that matters and so I suppose we'll find out how it matters in in weeks to come but maybe just even to concern ourselves at this point with whether um, these things are so Uh, for example did he change in the 1970s you know, and if so, how so? And how was that significant? Um, and, uh, you know, off the cuff, <clears throat> I think just from listening to Glory Cloud, just from reading, um, you know, Klein's stuff as I have, um, just in the way that I have, not not necessarily exhaustively or, you know, with any majorly uh, academic focus, um, it does seem that there is some sort of change that happens. Um, it might even be reflective, and I'm not even sure of the dates here, but, you know, you've got that, you know, Klein did change his, his Sabbath views uh, That's something. And he might have even uh, contradicted himself a few times on this issue of law and gospel and and uh, republication and that sort of thing. So, I mean, certainly that he evolved as a thinker to some degree, or sharpened as a thinker, maybe is a better way to put it. Um, you know, and maybe to the degree that he sharpened, he got more confident and perhaps a little bit more snarky. <laughs> you know, that, that happens, not entirely um, out of the question. Um, and I suppose what Frame's getting at there is that you know he uh he was really in awe with the early Klein who I suppose was less provocative on Frame's own viewpoint but also very inspirational to Frame in terms of him just kind of being this very creative thinker and um and getting stuff out there and working in terms of his creativity within the bounds of orthodoxy and not being enslaved to too much tradition which Frame really doesn't like and and um and so all of that stuff seemed to be, you know, there in the early years uh, of Klein and then later on, uh, perhaps as he got a little bit more solid uh, on his own thinking and perhaps, he, you know, who knows the internal processes he would have had to go through there, but uh, eventually, you know, maybe that affected how Frame himself thought he could interact with Klein. But we'll, we'll talk more about that in a second um, or maybe at a later episode. Um, so it's probably, you know, my, my, just my gut feeling, not that that counts for much, but just as we're talking about it, remember, this is a total chill. So I'm not trying to present any, um, major, major dogmatic anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, um, I'm just honestly, um, having a conversation with myself and, uh, you guys are here with me in my freezing cold office, which is warming up right now, which is good. It's toasty. Um, there is probably some truth. Basically, there's probably some truth that, that happened. Uh, but it's not a damning point and maybe Frame doesn't intend it to be. Maybe it's just interesting insight. So let's leave it at that. Um, but you know the thing is that if Klein and maybe this is something Frame needs to think about, but if um, if Klein was onto something, you know, and if he if he gets more and more sure that his position is indeed the right position, well, I mean, you know, it would, it would make sense. You know, the, the question of whether it's biblical or not is not being addressed here. So that's that's just important to bring out. And then the other thing is, and maybe this is quite a side, but, you know, you do get different styles of writing and teaching and types of authors. And Frame himself, at some in some ways, except for this issue of Escondido theology, is uh, very ironic. And you know, almost like one of those guys who just wants to find the middle ground and make everyone be friends, you know, and then you get the more dogmatic sort of hard-edged teachers. Klein was definitely, from what I can tell, one of those guys just pioneering his exegesis stuff, and, and he's just like, listen, follow me, my way or the highway, not too much interested in in uh, finding any middle ground with anyone. And, you know, to some degree, I think that's just a personality thing, and you just got to, you know, take it for what it is. Um and so anyways you might even have that clash happening here at some level did he believe the next thing we have to ask is you know did he feel that that his uh, positions were essential to reformed orthodoxy perhaps that's the more important question because you know that would be something else um and again it's difficult because we're not asking the question uh, as to did he have a full conviction that he was right but did he believe that his um, his own position was the test of reformed orthodoxy it's a kind of different different question there Um, it's hard to it's hard for me to think from anything that I've read that he would think that way Um, I think probably if anything what what's um because he he just doesn't refer to the confessions a lot and he's just not too enslaved as frame himself points out to, to this idea of like you know like a scott clark character who just everything must be 100 historically aligned or if it's not aligned you have to make sure it's aligned or you have to find out you know if you you argue tooth and nail that your position is the historically uh, uh, historically aligned position i mean it just does not strike me that um um you know, Klein in any way thought along those lines. Uh, I could be wrong. And this is be interesting to get someone who sat in and uh, his ministry uh, to speak in on this. But, but yeah, just uh, from from going on what he he wrote, he's just carving his own path. He's stoked. If anything, I think here's, here's how it works. With Klein, he's like, listen, I'm gonna give you what you need to stay in your own reformed tradition. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it, that's how it comes across to me. You know, hey, your tradition, you know, your Reformed Orthodoxy lacked a little bit in its biblico-historic sort of uh underpinnings, um, or your it's its biblical theological or systematic underpinnings. So hey, I'm gonna just give you a little bit of a birthday present. Here we go. Have covenant theology freshly analyzed by Meredith Klein, and voila, now you can support your own confession. That's kind of any you know, the 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 attitude i get out of it and um again that that might have some bad things attached to it good or bad but it's just not exactly what what he's uh being accused of yeah um i suppose maybe accusation is too strong of a word but you know what i mean um it's the way he's being represented up front um and so you know then the next thing beyond um beyond or maybe just even before we move on to the next thing you know, the other thing that perhaps militates against uh, what Frame is saying here is that Klein, and maybe he does bring this out a little bit later, but Klein, Klein um, you know, he, his whole thing with common grace, for example, I think it's fairly clear that while he was building on those who went before, I mean, he was definitely advancing the discussion and would no doubt have been very aware of that, certainly the Sabbath thing, uh, not even to... Uh, mention um his whole uh what is it called again boy oh boy i'm having a bit of a brain freeze um oh of course republication (laughs) wow just i pretend you didn't hear me there um his whole republication thing right the thing for which he is greatly famous and framework view as well um you know these are things that you know i just can't see klein you know, I mean, I he understands he's advancing the Reformed confessional tradition in some ways or, or pushing the envelope on it. But, I mean, to use that as tests of orthodoxy, it would just be weird if that was the case. If anything, he was in those early years, as Fram said, you know, he starts, I mean, he's being hammered himself. You know, he would have been very aware of the need to defend himself on his particular viewpoints. There, he would have had a few... You know, I don't want to say idiosyncr- idiosyncratic viewpoints, but um, certainly viewpoints that um, they were not popularly held to. Maybe let's leave it at that. Um, so, anyways, bottom line is, um, it, just to just to give a, a definitive affirmation to you know, one of the things that that um, frame is saying here is, that, you know, did Klein defend himself from? the the wrath of those who considered themselves truly reformed before the 60s and 70s or uh, 50s and 60s. Um, I think I think he did. I think that's right. Uh, just again, not going on. Obviously, I wasn't there at the time, but but going on. Um, you know what he's written, and you you just think about those articles that he wrote. Um, I think it was <clears throat> prior to the 60s. He wrote the framework view thing. So he obviously he's going to get clubbed for that. He would have had to defend himself uh, from many people that that. Um, you know, would we, we think of themselves as truly reformed and whatever that would bring. Um, the intrusion and the Decalogue, I think it's called intrusion and the Decalogue or something like that. Well, he's intrusion ethics one way or another. You know, that's going to, I mean, can you imagine? Wow, that would have stirred up. i th- uh, pretty sure that was before the 60s or somewhere around then. Um, the Tables of the Covenant, you know, he's all A&E, all his A&E stuff pretty much. Um, divine kingship um, as he exposes Genesis, so and then even the canon, obviously the canon and covenant stuff. Um, I think you've wrote an article, probably, maybe that was a little bit on, but anyway, bottom line is you get the you get the point. I mean, he was very controversial, and no doubt, you know, just uh, pushing the envelope on so many different points, and you know, he definitely would have had to defend himself there. So I think that's right. That's a good point. And then I suppose the next thing is, is it really an ironic thing that he himself ends up being this militant proponent of tradition you know, while, while he uh, himself had to sort of fight against it in that in those early years um, and here's where I, it just doesn't make sense to me, I don't feel like it it sits well um, because he keeps on writing that way I mean, toward the, I think if that was the right way to approach it, you'd probably see a different Klein, not so eager to go against the, the mold from that point on um you know, he's, but, but toward the end of his life, I mean, the whole thing there was he, he sort of, you know, just completely blew the hatch on the whole Sabbath thing. Um, no doubt. I mean, stirred, stirred some crazy pots there. Um, yeah, I mean, what else? I, I, I just feel like he stayed fairly edgy all the way through and never really became a traditionalist. So I don't think it's true, um, that he necessarily, just from what I've read, just from what I've read. And of course, uh, Frame will always have the uh, upper hand in some sense, in that he's there and he was—he's just writing from his own um, experience here. But, but just from what I've read, um, you just can't see it. You can't see it happening. You can't see Klein pulling the the traditionalist card and and flipping in on himself, and all of a sudden, you know, just turning against Frame just for the sake of tradition, because Frame's got this like novel idea, and now all of a sudden he's, you know, Klein's all into, um, you know, the confession and whatnot. I mean, I, I just. Yeah, probably what 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 did happen, you know. And just to kind of interpret this, um, this is according to me, of course, very authoritative. But um, you know, it probably what did happen is that he did get get a little bit more solid on some things that he f- at at first was kind of testing the waters with or putting out there. And you know, over the years, you defend yourself against some some sharp views, and you know, you you make sure that you. Uh, have covered your ground obviously you're going to gain a sense of confidence in those things and then it's almost like it all got put to the middle and I think probably framed correctly identifies the time period in which this all happens and you know Klein was seeing a real problem with the Norman, she- Norman Shepherd issue with John Murray with the Bonson thing and and so he's like listen you know you're going to get the best of Klein so far yes Klein's greatest hits you know and he's, he's obviously not going to hold any punches at that point and uh now, I think it's good that he didn't. I mean, wow, you uh, you had some pretty serious stuff being debated at that point, and uh, Klein was the guy for the job. You know, at the end of the day, um, well, at least, again, according to my perspective, obviously, Frame doesn't feel that way, but you know, that would that would account for the shifting gears, I think, um, uh, if nothing else. I mean, maybe one more question is worth looking at in terms of what might have changed, um, and maybe this sort of folds in on the. The issue of, you know, what style of teaching and, you know, was there anything ironic and could anything have been improved upon and that sort of thing. I mean, you do notice if you've ever read that, um, that article against Bonson, um, that review, and then Bonson comes back with this monstrous reply. and But it just got gnarly, you know, like you've client and, and you see, especially with Bonson's reply, it's very ironic, very smooth, very calm you know, um, so I found myself agreeing with, with Klein on that one, but, you know, disagreeing with his tone and agreeing with Bonson's tone. So it leaves you in that kind of precarious scenario, but he's just like, oh my goodness, you know, this Bonson guy uh, with his overheated typewriter and, you know, I don't, that's obviously a paraphrase. Um, and, uh, this monstrosity of a perversion of the gospel (laughs) you know so Klein really let rip in that article and you know that reflects something of a kind of perhaps lack of tact and um you know and maybe maybe that reflects something that that Klein probably you know might well have um uh you know i don't know just clashed with frame in some way and maybe it just wasn't pleasant you know and at at that level you know, there's always room for, for growth and criticism and whatnot. And so I think probably it would be an interesting exercise if this could ever be done. You just turn back the clock, specifically as as Frame and Klein uh, work this thing out. You know, if Klein had, had perhaps more of a pastoral sort of, you know, I don't know, but even as I say that, it's like asking Luther to be more pastoral as he does the Reformation, you know. Or just, just just deal gently with those Roman Catholics, Martin Luther. You know, it kind of defies the whole thing. God raised up this battle axe guy to do his thing, but that's going to have a double edge to it, and he's going to bash some things down while he's going. You know, it's just the way it works. And same thing with Klein. He's going for it. He's on a mission, and in some sense, you know, frame was collateral damage, uh, maybe. I don't know. But what if? What if Klein could just have been really well-adjusted and, you know, made his point very kindly and fairly and ironically, I wonder, maybe, maybe he could have turned frame, maybe they could have found uh, a way to move forward, and uh, maybe that, this whole chapter would not be written, just an interesting thought, but really nothing to do with Two Kingdoms, yet, and yet, it's on Two Kingdom Tuesday, why, you ask, well, there is no real reason I answer, but hope you enjoyed the rant, maybe there is something even more important than getting our doctrine right at certain, you know, stages. Um, especially when it comes to Two Kingdoms stuff, it's important. I think Two Kingdoms is, is so important. But, I mean, it's more important to, to, you know, to understand unity in the gospel. And, you know, so I honestly feel a little bit conflicted. I read Frame stuff, I feel he's hot. I feel like, um, you know, I don't know how consistent he was with his own ironicism, but... Um, you know what he says and what he desires and you know if he could work that through consistently I think it would be a good thing and yet I find myself agreeing with Klein in terms of the doctrine so maybe it's a challenge you know we've got to just try and do uh, this uh, as best we can with the greater picture in view and um, and this is really just one little voice from one lonely two-aged sojourner here in his office just uh, putting that out there but maybe it affects the conversation you have this week you know maybe you get to talk to someone who is not on your same page doctrinally um, and maybe you're able to in in a sense of maturity and identify that that's not the end of the world um, and maybe you're able to kind of win someone over with with just kind words and and hearing them out maybe it is a gospel issue and maybe you're able to identify that, and maybe you need to take it down at the knees. I'm all for that as well. Um, and you know, there's you've just got yeah, it's hard to hard to give uh, a five-step process for that. You've we've um, got to just be dependent on God for that one. But but certainly when it comes to two kingdom stuff, I suppose what I would like to do moving forward in this um, just uh, analyzing this this um, article, you know, I. I realize I'm, I just, I'm guilty of this again and again and again. I just making the same mistake as I'm reading, seeing these guys fight against each other, and I, I just want to make sure that uh, moving forward, I want to find doctrinal truth. I want to land on good theology. I, mean, I don't want to make compromises, but I want to do it in such a way that doesn't repeat the mistakes of those things, uh, the, those attitudes, those words that were perhaps said. Um, You know too harshly uh, to brothers so wow man a little bit of an emotional thing going on over here I tell you it's the cold that get me all right that's it for today I'm turning this into a rant I hope you have a great day and uh, stay with us for some double trouble tomorrow bless you